Osiris. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. David Goldstein. Hi, I'm Brian Brinkman. You are tuned in to episode 36 of the Beyond the Pond podcast. This is the podcast that was generally speaking, Brian and myself utilize the music of Fish as a means of introducing the listener to other bands, generally not jam bands, using Fish as a Trojan horse of sorts. Because we love Fish, we are Fish fans. The problem with Fish fans is Often, all they listen to is fish, and this makes them extremely uninteresting because there's a world out there of all kinds of different music. All they see is fish cover bands and, like, I don't know, people trying to, like, interpret fish through interpretive dance, and it just gets fucking lame after a while, man. Yeah, guys, come on. There's so much music out there to be listening to. We don't need piano-led inspiration and interpretation of fish music, do we, Dave? No, not really. Just give me the fish. Just give me the fish and then give me all the stuff that's outside of the pond. So we are back here in episode 36 for you guys with an episode that we have now done. I think this is our third time doing it. We're going to be counting down our favorite albums of 2018 so far this time we're going to go through some of the themes of the year we're going to go through some of our honorable mentions we're going to go through some of the big albums that came out this year and some of the ones that are still on the horizon for the latter part of 2018 as well as feature some of our listeners favorite records before diving into our top five albums of the year so far some of the themes that we're going to explore in this episode include how we've changed as listeners a look ahead to upcoming releases and our top five albums of the year so far. So while there won't be a heck of a lot of fish in this episode, there will be lots and lots and lots of other music, which is what we uh, always are striving to bring you guys. And on that note, let's get this in 2018 jams. guys so we are nearing the halfway point here of 2018 and we figured it was a good time as ever to sit back take a pause take a breather and kind of look back on the music that's come out thus far i know um we'll kind of get into this here but this has kind of been a weird year it felt like there was a little bit of a lag in terms of some great new records that were coming out and then over the last six weeks or so 
last four weeks, I would probably say. It's just been like every Friday there's been four new albums I felt like I had to listen to. And um, Have you felt that way? Yeah, the month of May has been a deluge, just uh, very difficult to keep up with everything coming out. It was kind of little trickles, and then the dam broke. Yeah, and a lot of it's been really good, especially as of late. Like, there haven't been a ton of, I mean, um, I would say, yay aside, there haven't been a ton of, like, huge disappointments. Oh, yay, like the Kanye record? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Whatever. That's <laughs> kind of the, the sentiment around it as of now. Um one thing that uh, we wanted to talk about here, so we're 36 episodes into this podcast. We have been doing this for just the better part over a year here now since March of 2017. And I think it was a good idea to step back and kind of see how we've all changed as listeners or how both of us have changed as listeners. Um, Dave, what what do you feel like you've changed over the last year as a, as a musical listener? Well, let's see. Back in 1993, there was a Duran Duran album. It was a self-titled album. This is the album that had the big goopy hit Ordinary World on it. And then the first song on that album and the third single was called Too Much Information. As in, destroyed by MTV, I hate to bite the hand that feeds me so much information. And that's kind of how I feel about my listening habits because there's a lot of podcasts I like. There's a lot of fish that I'm kind of required to listen to for my own edification for this podcast. And that's in addition to listening to classics and listening to new music. So I find more so than ever before, I almost have to kind of force myself to listen to new music, almost putting together a schedule because there's only so many hours in a day and I still want to listen to my sports podcast, my pop culture podcast, and the smattering of pot and like some comedy podcast. But there's also some fish and dead, and there's new music. And I find with the way my schedule has to be nowadays, if I have a record I listen to like three times, that might end up in my top ten just because there's something to get me to listen to three or four times means it has to be really, really good just to like cut through the sludge of everything else. I'm not so much complaining. It's just kind of where we're at in 2018 in order to be engaged. It isn't like in the 90s, you'll go to the store, you'll buy a CD, and you'll listen to the heck out of that CD because there just isn't much out there at the time other than what you actually personally get yourself. And, of course, I still buy vinyl. I still own something I like a lot on Spotify. I'll go out and I'll get the vinyl because that's, you know, a really – good way to support artists and I want to listen to it on my excellent bitch and stereo system at home, but it's, uh, it can be hard. That's all. No, it certainly can. I mean, I don't deny that. I think what you said about like having to carve out time for new records is certainly something I've experienced, especially since, you know, I think you and I both, when we started this podcast, we're like, Oh, this will be great. We listen to a lot of music already. We'll just sit and talk about music. And then there's a lot more that goes along with it that, um, it requires a lot of focus, a lot of planning, and it means that a lot of your listening habits are shaped around that. So I've definitely felt that. I, I would say for me the biggest change, though, and this is really something I've felt since about last spring, so right around the time that we started, um, simplification. Uh, for me, 
The music I know I respond to right now is so simple at its core. And from a stylistic standpoint, this has really led me to an obsession with true country music and bluegrass and old folk music that I just listen to almost exclusively in my house when I'm not either preparing for a Beyond the Pond episode or checking out a new record or listening to like a fish show or something like this is what I want to listen to in like the afternoon, in the morning, in the evening. It just fits kind of where I'm at in life right now. Um, it's true. As I've gotten older, I definitely tend to gravitate to more songs. Give me a singer songwriter. Give me a chorus. Give me some hooks. You know, give me a keep it simple and pare it down to a good melody. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, like, for example, like, while, the, while this was not my favorite record of 2017, I think that um, the record that really sums up the way I feel the most about last year was the Turnpike Troubadours record that I believe you turned me on to. You, you featured on Beyond the Pond. and uh, Those guys are fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and that record just, like, symbolized literally everything I've wanted to hear over the last nine or ten months. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because I was as, as I was thinking about this kind of concept – I realize, like right now, I'm not surprised as much by new music. I, I'm learning a little bit less about new music, but I'm enjoying it more. Like I've gone through really like three distinct renaissances over the last 15 years as a musician. 09, 13, both when I was in Korea, and 2015 when I really first dove into like streaming services and made a commitment to just like consume everything that was out there that I could get my hands on in like a moment's notice. Um, so many new sounds and ideas were coming to me. Now I'm more in tune with what I want to hear and I connect with that almost immediately and it just sticks. And I think that a lot of the records that we're going to talk about here really are symbolized by that in a lot of ways. Yeah. It used to be, you think of certain records as being growers, which well, I can certainly appreciate that. I'm at the point in my life where I think I can tell within like the first 45 seconds of the first song that this is going to be something that's going to stay with me or not. Yeah, Grower is almost going to be a record that like I don't return to for 18 months and then go back to and I'm like, huh, how did I kind of miss? You know what I mean? Like I, I'm the same way. Like I'll hear a record. And like, there's a record, I don't want to name it now to give it away, but you sent it to me in March and I put it on in the first 30 seconds. I was like, yep, this is an absolutely fantastic album. Um, and, and, you know, I think that there are a lot of records that, you know, I'll read about a review in the morning. I'll listen to on my way to work or when I get to the office and I'll just kind of like go through it because I know I need to knowing that like, I just kind of have to consume this it's not going to be something that's going to stick. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's uh, the, the grower concept that, you know, I used to listen to a record over and over again to try to kind of get it until it clicked like in college and post-college. I just don't really have that much anymore. Cause I can't really do it. So um, let's just talk about uh, some big records of 2018 so far that have come out that uh, didn't make it into our honorable mentions or our top five. I'll just kick it off. Um, recently was an album by the rapper, the rapper Pusha T, Daytona, and we've got Tune Yards, I Can Feel You Creep Into My Private Life, a little disappointed by that one, David Byrne, American Utopia, Shopping, The Official Body, Ty Siegel, Ridiculously Prolific, album called Freedom's Goblin, No Age, Snares Like a Haircut, 
MGMT, Little Dark Age, and an album which we certainly talked about quite a bit, Yola Tango, there's a riot going on. Picking up, and just to be clear, this is not all comprehensive. We just wanted to give a snapshot just so you guys can see there is so much music out there for you to consume. Uh, John Tejada, Dead Start Program, Car Seat Headrest, came out with Twin Fantasy earlier this year. Brandy Carlisle, By the Way, I Forgive You. The Breeders, All Nerve. Titus Andronicus, A Productive Cough. Bonnie Dune, Long Wave. And Y Oak, The Louder I Call, The Faster It Runs. We've got a record by Brian Eno. Music for Installations, Leon Bridges, Good Thing. The Sea and Cake, one of my favorite bands, but a record recently called Any Day. Mark Kozilek, self-titled. Ockerville River and the Rainbow Rain. Mary Lattimore, Psychedelic Harpist. Albums called Hundreds of Days. And Courtney Barnett, Tell Me How You Really Feel. of our listeners here who have submitted their top albums of the year thus far guessing that these will change by year end as well will be cool to see how all of our listeners evolve throughout the year so kicking things off we've got um, one of our very first guests josh carver with janelle monet dirty computer Stephen malcolmus and the jicks sparkle hard and francis and the lights just for us and then ryan smith got Leon Bridges, Good Thing, Soccer Mommy Clean, and Parquet Courts Wide Awake. Next we have from our listener Kevin Brinkman, who pretty sure is related to you, Brian. Is he not? I think so. I'm pretty sure. That's your brother. We're okay. A little bit of nepotism (laughs) here beyond the pond. He's got for his his favorites. Krongbin, Contado El Mundo. U.S. Girls in a Poem Unlimited. That's a great record. Riley Walker, Deaf Man Glance. We've got Michael Shields, who's also uh, an editor and one of the people behind the Across the Margin website and a corresponding podcast with the Osiris Podcast Network. He's got David Byrne, American Utopia, Stephen Malcolmus and the Jicks, Sparkle Hard, Jeff Rosenstock, Post. And rounding out our first batch of BTP listeners here, we got Kevin Davitt with John Prine, Tree of Forgiveness. Really, really amazing album that came out earlier this year. Janelle Monet, Dirty Computer, and Beach House 7. And then we got our old friend Jacob, who you can find at Milwaukee Jam. John Prine, Tree of Forgiveness, Krongbin, Contoto, El Mundo, and Casey Musgraves, Golden Hour. And some big records that hopefully are on the horizon looking to come out in 2018. It's a new one by Bruce Springsteen. And then we've got, uh, what's the deal with that Springsteen record, Brian? So he's been recording this record. It sounds like for the last couple of years, um, when we had Steven Hyden on, he said that Springsteen has something in the works 
Uh, it's a little California singer songwriter. I think it's his first solo record since devils and dust. Um, I don't know if it's going to drop this year. It was all over stereo gum and pitchforks future releases of the year. Um, but I haven't heard anything beyond that. I'm hoping something comes out from him because we haven't heard had a new batch of like original Springsteen songs in six years now. And I'd love to hear something new from him. So for some other records, supposedly the new tour record's going to come out this year. I say, yeah, right. Sky Ferreira, Masochism, her last full-length album came out, I want to say 2013. She's uh often features guest vocals on several very good records. New album from Dev Heaven. It's coming out pretty shortly. Deer Hunter. New one's going to come out this summer. My Bloody Valentine, hopefully before the end of the year. We got a couple more. A couple more. We got been rumored. We, we said this actually in this very episode last year that Vampire Weekend was supposed to put out a record towards the end of 2017. Still, we're still waiting on the follow-up to Modern Vampires of the City. Hoping that that comes out here soon this year. Uh, Rolling Blackouts, Coastal Fever. If you guys have not gotten on their EPs, please do so as soon as possible so you are not behind. That one comes out in, in, in two weeks. We're fucking psyched for that as a phenomenal Excellent yeah, band. and the single that came out off of it is incredible. I, I think that that record, were we recording this in a month, I feel like that ends up on our, on our list. I have a feeling, just kind of a premonition about that, as well as the uh, upcoming record from Wild Pink that should be coming out here in just a couple of weeks. So some really great stuff on the horizon. We know that there's going to be some pri- surprises for us as well. Half the year is left. There's always going to be a record that drops that nobody expects, but really, really stoked for what we uh, what we see for the rest of the year, especially with what we've had come down the pike over the last six or eight weeks. Let's get into some honorable mentions. This is before we get into the top five. We like to throw out some honorable mentions. What do you got, Brian? So I got three records that um, I want to talk about really quickly. So the first of which we talked about in the most recent BTP episode. And um, I said in the episode, careful listeners will note um, that this was a top five record of the year already for me. Um, And while it's still one of my favorite records of the year, it has been knocked out by a couple recent records. So apologies to Riley Walker. Death Man Glance is a fantastic album. Could end up in my top five by year's end. Probably will nestle itself somewhere in my top ten. But uh, I talked about it in the last episode. I don't want to go into too much detail. But Chicago singer-songwriter, really this feels like his record that he's arrived at. Really have enjoyed listening to this kind of in late hours early morning as well it just is a fantastic moody singer-songwriter record
I have my first honorable mention is a record that came out, um, I want to say January, might have been February, it's pretty early on. The band is called Shame, the album is called Songs of Praise. These are basically angry, angry young British men armed with bracing wit and some serious post-punk bass lines. Kind of almost like a grungy sort of like take on like early Echo and the Bunnymen. Um, certainly snottier than Echo and the Bunnymen. They put on a very good live show. It's uh, certainly, you know, kind of like the angry young Caucasian guys, a bit of a cliche at this point, but these guys, they tend to sell it really well. So that's uh shame songs of praise. I think the song we're going to play from that is called concrete. My next honorable mention is a Nashville singer-songwriter named Joshua Headley, a guy who put out a debut record this year called Mr. Jukebox. Uh, Headley, I believe, is my age. I believe he's 33. Um, He's been playing the fiddle since he was about eight years old. He didn't write his own songs until he was 28 years old. And around that time, just like this flood of clarity and creativity came out, he is a 60s throwback, honky-tonk, crooner, very clear Nashvillean type of sound to his recording. He records what some people would call outlaw country today because he's not in the major country music scene. But as he says, outlaw country musicians would want to kick his ass for what he's playing. It's just a total throwback, but it's not a throwback in a nostalgic sense that it feels like it's been done before. He's just tapped into a sound and a style. He sounds much more like he's emulating it than imitating it. And this record has gone on. I, I listen to this record at least three or four times a week. I love it. Uh, my wife loves it. We know that one of our favorite chefs and restaurants in the country loves him, the Butcher and the Bee in Nashville. And uh, Joshua, if you're listening to this, which we hope you are, you got an open invitation to come on Beyond the Pond. We would love to sit down and do an interview with you. If these walls could talk, that they'd sing a song. One that's sad and lonely and a little too long. About a woman who said she was through and a man. Who can't move on If these walls could talk I bet they'd sing a song If these walls had I agree, that is a fantastic record You just, uh, I think you had a quote at one point 
He said, like classic country music, it's like a suit because it never goes out of style. And he's right. He's just uh, he's playing excellent quality country songs. I like that record quite a bit. So for my number two honorable mention, um, it's a record that showed up in several of our listeners' top three. The album would be by Crombin, Contado El Munro. No, Contado, Contado El Mundo, sorry. And uh, the song we're going to play is called Lady and Man. So I guess Crombin, I think of him as like sexy, sexy, light funk music, kind of played by a trio um, of folks from, uh, I think, East Houston, Texas, drums, bass, and guitar. There's uh, not really any vocals to the extent their vocals are kind of like in the background, inside joke type things. This is good music to fold laundry to or listen to in like, uh, I guess you could say boutique hotel lobbies, but really good version of stuff in boutique hotel lobbies. I think of them as um, kind of like early late nineties, early two thousands acts uh, like thievery corporation, maybe even um, the duo crudo, the, the duo cruder and Dorfmeister. They touch on Thai funk, um, kind of like they do some raga influenced by uh, the 60s Hungarian guitarist Gabor Zabo. There's like some obscure 70s dusty soul sounds. And um, they're actually, they're on Dead Oceans, which I think for my money is probably the best independent label in the country, not named Matador. Uh, the label mates with Beyond the Pond favorites like Slow Dive, Kevin Morby, Japanese Breakfast, etc. But somehow they've also been really co-opted by the jam band kids. They're going to be playing on Jam Cruise, which, um, you know, I mean, if you've got a choice of things to see on Jam Cruise, it's better that you see Krongbin than, I don't know, like granola, pigeons, whatever the <laughs> fuck. It usually, usually ends up on Jam Cruise. So, uh, yeah, that's a really good record. I like it. The songs I've played, uh, just so you guys uh, um, have it on top of it here. So Riley Walker, I featured um, Can't Ask Why. Uh, and uh, and Joshua Headley, I featured These Walls. So the last record I'm going to talk about here for my honorables is a record that I know has been getting a lot of press within um, our listeners. I know I've got a lot of friends who like this record. I'm like 75% sold on this record. There's parts of it that I absolutely adore, and there's parts of it that I wish had a little bit more dynamics to it, I guess. Um, but I can't stop coming back to it. I keep, I'm continuously intrigued. It's like this itch I can't quite scratch. It's Amen Dune's Freedom. It's the fifth album by the, uh, by the uh, Damon McMahon-led uh, band Amen Dunes. Um, and these guys, they've got Delicate Steve on guitars, 
They got Parker Kindred of Anthony and the Johnsons and Jeff Buckley on drums and Damon McMahon on, on guitar and vocal. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just really, really great low tempo kind of focused driving forward music with some really interesting guitar licks and some really interesting lyrical choices. And it's really kind of, it reminds me of like driving solo away from the scene of a crime late in the middle of the night. There just seems like there's something going wrong in this record. And that's something that's just constantly fascinating to me. Um, I know that by some people it's been compared to the war on drugs. And I wouldn't say that you're there for like the big buildups and guitar solos and the overall woo that you get in the war on drugs. But no, in the production values, like, maybe. Yeah, the production value is really what I get. And the fact that it just sounds like a road record to me. And I've listened to it in the car, turned up, and it really kind of hits you at that point in time. It just kind of like thuds in your chest in a, in a little ways. Um, so I would definitely recommend anyone who listens to this podcast, go ahead and listen to that. I think it's a record that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's, this is definitely a grower album. Um, but the song that we're going to play off of it is uh, call, Calling Paul the Suffering. Calling Paul the Suffering that record certainly i almost feel like he's kind of doing some self-sabotage and that if a few of the songs had a few more peaks or modulated a bit more because he has these great bits and he kind of just runs them into the ground the song is over before it gets cooking and that's most of the songs like i think the second song what's the song like was the first single uh, Blue Rose of like, yeah. the second song? Yeah. That song, it's great. It gets going. I want to like peek and give me something. And then it just fades away. And I'm like, come on. You gave me an incomplete song. But but I digress. So the third song, um, the third artist I've got for my honorable mention, this is a pretty recent album. It came out two weeks ago. It's a Canadian singer-songwriter named... Michael Ralt, spelled R-A-U-L-T. The album is called It's a New Day Tonight, and we're going to play the first on the album called I'll Be There. Um, this is a record that I discovered through my wife, actually. She discovered them through uh, the Instagram feed of the uh, of Grimey's new and used record store out in Nashville, Tennessee, one of uh, the best record stores in the country. One of my favorite cities in the country, irrespective of the fact that the quote-unquote president had a quote-unquote rally there last week. That would have been a good day to get the hell out of Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, it was one of those things. 
She was playing it. I walked in and said, what is this? This is great. She said, this is Michael Rault. I found out about him from Grimey's. So this is impeccably recorded 70s power pop psychedelia. Think of a band like Paul McCartney's Wings, Alex Chilton's Big Star, Badfinger. Um, So he's kind of like... This guy is like a long-haired, mustachioed, loverman type. And you listen to the record and you kind of think of like incense and beanbag chairs and turtlenecks. But uh, it's really high caliber, 70s, easy listening. Um, He would have completely killed band down the run. Like that song uses a lot of like the kind of whiny psychedelic guitars and the reverb that's featured in songs like that. And um it's actually one of the first albums to come out on um, Wick, on Wick Records, which is, uh, I guess, like the rock and roll imprint of uh, the famous Daptone Records based out of Brooklyn. So you know it's going to sound good. You know it's going to be a, a bit of a throwback. But I've really, uh, really been eating this record up. He's got a, a good voice. He's got a good band. And the songs are uh, very pleasant and well orchestrated. So... Uh, would highly recommend check out It's a New Day Tonight by Michael Rout. guys moving into our five favorite albums of 2018 so far you guys will remember when we recorded this about a year ago for 2017 our top fives changed quite a bit there are a lot of great albums that came out towards the latter half of 2017 and when we were able to look back on the year as full we kind of rearranged our list a little bit look a little bit different in the winter than they do in the summertime that said This first half of the year has had some really strong albums. We wanted to highlight them. So we're going to go through our five. We're going to play a song for you guys off of this. All this stuff will go into our big old Spotify playlist for you guys to continue listening to. But uh, without further ado, Dave, what is your number five album of 2018 so far? My number five record is by a band called Screaming Females. Album's called All at Once. And the song we're going to play is Agnes Martin. Screaming Females are New Brunswick, New Jersey's shreddiest trio. Four foot ten guitar goddess Marissa Paternoster finally figured out how to make a record as face melting as their legendary live shows. Only took them seven albums. Uh, they've certainly had some decent records in the past. Uh, the one Rose Mountain was pretty good. Um, the one produced by Steve Albini, Ugly, was half good. But all at once, it's their best record. It's got their best collection of songs. It's got their best sound. You can just put this on and headbang your way through the day. This has got, there's power pop songs. There's 
tool inspired shred riffing there's some free bird worthy curly curly q guitar solo epics um brendan canty the drummer from fugazi shows up in one of the songs to do kind of like a cool dual drum thing that sort of sounds like a song on the last fugazi record the argument from 2002 lots of different varieties of rock and roll here and the really excellent rhythm section of Mike Abadi and Jared Doherty remains tighter than a bank vault. They've been one of the better uh, live acts for a long time just because Marissa Paternoster is a modern-day guitar hero. They kind of haven't figured out how to make a great studio record. This is the one where they finally put it together, and as such, it's my number five album of 2018 so far. And the song Agnes Martin has a big tool riff, Big drums, big crunch. Um, not everyone is completely enamored with Paternoster's voice, which has a bit of a uh, vibrato thing going on. I think she's awesome. So, uh, yep, that's my number five record. Be very surprised if it's not in my top ten at the end of the year. Thank you for that feature there from Screaming Females, Dave. So my number five record of the year thus far is a record by a young country singer-songwriter from Golden, Texas named Casey Musgraves. The album is Golden Hour. The song I'm going to play is Space Cowboy. So Casey has really risen through the ranks of the country scene recorded in Nashville. She came in seventh in 2007 on USA's Nashville Star before here in 2017 releasing her fourth album, Golden Hour. This came out as I was on the road driving from Annapolis to Denver. I think it came out the second day I was on the road, March 30th, woke up in Indiana, drove from Indiana to central Kansas, and my wife and I must have listened to this record at least two or three times. Just hit us perfectly. It was a beautiful Bluebird Sky Day, driving across the center of the country. And this record just was everything that we wanted to hear. It is equal parts nostalgic and filled with love and some really sad, pangy love songs. And it's also really atmospheric. It's really interesting, the sonic decisions that she makes throughout the record. You know, it really toes the line between country ballad standards and really forward-thinking pop. And I love that aspect of this album. It evolves from this very straightforward singer-songwriter record about lost love into, some, into something that sounds really like nothing I've ever heard before from a larger country scene. Um, she is, if you haven't heard her record, and I've passed this around to a ton of my friends being like, you know, 
don't take this at face value. If you know you're not into pop music, if you're not into country music, listen to her lyrics, listen to the sonic, you know, uh, just just really like the richness to the sound, because this is the kind of record that just it will consume you. It's it's just absolutely beautiful. It's a really excellent record to hear this year. Um, I'd add her along with Jason Isbell, uh, uh, Joshua Headley, and Sturgill Simpson as artists who are really reshaping what it means to be country nowadays and writing some really thoughtful, really fantastic stuff. So, um, Dave, are you into this record? I love this record. I think it's got a really good Fleetwood Mac, almost a Haim uh, like vibe to it, like the Haim sisters. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely a big fan. The song Space Cowboys is a really cool uh Slab of disco music, the opening track, Slow Burn, kills me every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just the Heim Fleetwood Mac thing. I definitely get that. Um, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to play Space Cowboy here from Casey Musgraves. You can have your space. Okay, my number four record is one that I think I've definitely discussed at least two other times in this podcast because it's very good. It is Eric Wennerstrom. The album is called Sweet Unknown. The song we're going to play an excerpt from is called Good to Be Alone. So she was the one-time singer for the band Heartless Bastards. Kind of like a good time, Rolling Stones, road rock band. They're on hiatus. This is her first official album. And this is also a road trip rock album, but it sounds like epic vistas, wide open spaces. It's just, she really stretches out. She has a very excellent band. And this is almost secretly like a shoegaze record, especially as some of the guitar solos are very, um, lots of reverb, lots of dense shards of guitar and melody often associated with the shoegaze genre and it's just a collection of very well written songs where the overriding theme is uh you know kind of rubbing your eyes and stepping out and trying something new as well as being good to yourself that's uh also a big theme on the record but it's good it almost has a bit of like a war on drugs kind of like epic, well-produced road trip feel to it. I'm going to listen to it quite a bit. It's also an excellent record for nodding out on a train, looking out the window, wondering what's next. And, you know, it's got some nine-minute songs, really stretches things out, some excellent rock balladry, and, uh, of course, her voice is soulful and bold. So, yeah, Sweet Unknown, Eric Wannerstrom, great record. Let's listen to Good to Be Alone. Feels good to be alone. Feels good to be alone. 
All right, Dave, thank you for talking us through Erica Winterstrom's Sweet Unknown. And yes, that was the record I was talking about earlier in the show that you had sent me. I put on, and within about 30 seconds of it, I was like, yep, this is an album I'm going to love. Um, so the record I'm going to talk about here was perhaps the first record released in 2018. Is there any truth to that? I, I feel like it has to be. It was released like 2 like a.m. on New Day or, like, yeah, I think it might have actually come out on New Year's Day at like 1 a.m. or something. Like music critics woke up and were like, holy shit, new Jeff Rosenstock record. Yeah, yeah. So it's Jeff Rosenstock. So Jeff Rosenstock. Uh, right. <laughs> so he played um, – We I talked about this record in an earlier episode. Um, this was, I think, my first, maybe my second uh, new album recommendation of 2018 um so jeff rosenstock's post so jeff rosenstock closed out 2017 with what i can only imagine was an absolutely epic and sweaty four-hour five-hour new year's eve show in philadelphia um and then released the album literally like as he was walking up the stage he must have done it here um i woke up to a tweet from Stephen hyden saying Jeff Rosenstock already competing for best song of 2018. And he posts a link to USA, which is a seven minute epic fuck you to everything Trump America. And uh, that song has just been like my anthem throughout the entire year. But the record overall, this was the first record I connected with in 2018. And it continues to hit me capital H hard every single time I hear it. It hits the punk nerves I need every so often. And the hooks remind me of pop punk that I loved in the 90s. While his lyrics about politics are exactly what I want to be yelling out to the world right now. This album has one song after another. USA, To Your Throat, to Beating My Head Against the Wall, Let Them Win, TV Stars. Nine out of ten. I mean, all these songs I want to hear one after another after another. Um, I really feel like if the world continues down the path it's it's on right now for the rest of 2018, this album is going to just be the antidote to all of that shit. If you, if you need a record that's going to just make you literally bang your head, pump your fist, feel some rage, but feel good about it in this crazy, crazy year that we're in, Jeff Rosenstock Post is your friend, and we're going to listen to what I think is my favorite song from the album now. Just got such an amazing hook right there in the middle of it. Beat, 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 beating my head against the wall.
Brian. Thank you for uh, talking Jeff Rosenstock. I agree that is a fantastic record. Big, necessary burst of energy from a driven man from Long Island. like it quite a bit. So my number three album is the latest one from the band Preoccupations. Album's called New Material, and the song we're going to play is called Espionage. So these are dour Canadian post-punkers. I absolutely loved, loved their 2015 debut back when they were called Viet Cong. Then um, some people had some issues with that name, understandably. They changed the preoccupations and put out a follow-up in 2016, which I didn't like that much. I think we even um, featured one of those songs on a Beyond the Pond episode. We're talking about records that were, uh, we thought were a bit underwhelming. But... This new album, it's their third album. It definitely puts them back on steadier footing, and it plays to their strengths, namely a churning, incredibly tight rhythm section and bass and guitar melodies that don't so much rock out as they kind of wind and curl together like strands of DNA. Um, it has a very good cavernous sort of 80s production. Some of the songs kind of remind me of uh, like early Depeche Mode, not so much Violator era Depeche Mode, but kind of uh, like the earlier music for the masses, even um, the early the early 80s records type thing. Um, some of it sounds like The Cure. It's got great post-punk bass lines. Uh, the lead singer bassist, Matt Flagel, always sounds like he's singing off into the void and wants to end his life. But fortunately, that never actually happens. I've heard from people that hung out at Viet Cong that they're just like totally nice normal pot smoking bros but you wouldn't know it by hearing this record these guys are uh, a little bit out of touch with their feelings and we are much better for it because we are the ones who benefit so uh yeah if you're into gloomier side gothier side of 80s post-punk would recommend this album highly and the live show is fantastic so let's uh listen to espionage by preoccupations Thank you for sharing thoughts there on Preoccupation's new material. Really great record. Came out earlier this year. 
the record I'm going to talk about is one that came out the morning of us recording here on June 1st, 2018. I've already listened to this album four times, and I'm completely in love with this record. There was a part of me that wanted to put this as my number one album, but then I thought better in my impulsive decisions there, realized it hadn't really stuck with me for even a night. And, uh, you know, you never want to put a record like this at the top until you've had a couple nights to sleep with it type of thing. But all that said, this is Father John Misty's God's Favorite Customer. The song I'm going to play here is Please Don't Die. So I've had a long, complicated relationship with Father John Misty going back to his days as a drummer for Fleet Foxes when he seemed to want to have the limelight shown on him a little bit brighter than I think certain fans of the band were comfortable with. The album, I Love You, Honey Bear, that came out in 2015, I really loved initially, but I quickly found out after the album came out that I was going to be a dad, and I couldn't really connect with the record after that. You know, he was like 32, 33 at that point, talking about lost love and whether or not he should stay with this person that he's in love with, whether or not he should sleep with more women, and I just couldn't really relate. I was uh, just kind of felt like it was very surface level, kind of, um, I don't know, just didn't really do anything for me. Um, but towards the end of 2015, I kind of came back around and realized really sonic beauties in the album. There's some amazing songwriting. He's really quirky and he's got a sardonic way of looking at the world. And it really kind of grasped me at the, or grab, grabbed me at that point in time. Conversely, when pure comedy came out early 2017, I wasn't really ready for an anti-Trump record and it didn't click with me immediately. It felt kind of overwrought. It was really long. Felt just like, I don't know, it felt really indulgent. And, um, you know, whereas I loved, say, Sunkill Moon's Benji, so I loved Mount Erie, um, his record that came out last year, Crow Looked at Me, you know, pure comedy felt like just a little bit too much of Father John Misty for this tell-all, very... Um, you know, plain spoken type of record. Sometime last year, though, towards the end of the year, kind of same thing with Honey Bear, finally clicked, came around, and I found myself revisiting his entire catalog and just fell completely hard for the guy. So this record, God's Favorite Customer, is the first of his that in real time I find myself 100% into from the start. I listened to it when I took my dog for a walk this morning, and I listened to it right when I got to the office today, Listen to it another time at work, and listen to it right before we started recording. This record hits me in such a direct way this year. I would compare it to the way that Ryan Adams' Prisoner hit me last year. Um, lyrically, the themes of love and longing for his wife are exactly where I'm at. And I love that he's spending this entire record questioning everything rather than trying to explain anything. The song that I'm going to play here, Please Don't Die, for all the husbands out there, this is a total killer. It destroyed me twice at my desk today. It is a song about him imagining his wife dying and what would happen to his life. And it's not overwrought and it's not melodramatic. It's just a very sincere, genuine plea just to the world out there for this woman who has somehow, for whatever ridiculous reason, <clears throat> fallen for him, that he just knows he can't lose her. And that to me is, this is like the f the full kind of circle that Father John Misty's come to, at least <clears throat> in terms of my listening of him. 
there's not a bad song in this album. It flows really well. It's produced really well. It's really straightforward, but you listen to it three or four times and you start hearing like the fuzz guitar. You start hearing the jangly pianos. You hear the echoed voices in the background. Just really, really, really excellent stuff. Something I'm going to be listening to on repeat throughout the entire year. And to be totally honest, I would not be surprised if this ended up at my number one right now. But who knows? That's why we uh, that's why we go go through the rest of the year. Um, but we're going to listen to a little bit of "Please Don't Die Here" off of the Father John Misty's God God's Favorite Custom. One more wasted Somebody stop this joy, this joy ride I'm feeling older than my 35 years One more cryptic message Thinking that I might end it Oh God, you must have woken up To me saying that it's all too much I'll take it easy with the morbid stuff Okay, Brian, thanks for that. Um, I listened to that album this morning as well. I thought it was objectively very good. I don't think I like Father John Misty quite as much as you do. Sometimes I think he's a little detached, kind of playing too much of a character, but I certainly will listen to that record some more. I could see it growing on me. And this is as somebody who absolutely hated I Love You, Honey Bear. Didn't even listen to Pure Comedy. But I'm going to give this guy a try one more time. So before we get into our our top two, what we wanted to do is just highlight a few more uh, top threes of uh, 2018 from um, some Beyond the Pond listeners. So I'll kick it off. We have our fan Nick Wilson. His top three right now are Parquet Courts, Wide Awake. The Breeders, All Nerve, and a Reckless Eric, Construction Time and Demolition. I did not know there was a new Reckless Eric album out, so thanks, Nick. Check that out. Then we have John McGar. He's got Yola Tango. There's a riot going on. Krongbin, Contoto El Mundo, and Leon Bridges. Good thing. Coming up next, we got Rob Brennan with Lucius Nudes. Courtney Barnett, Tell Me How You Really Feel. And Jack White's Boarding House Reach. And then we got a Twitter follower, at Ibesa. We got Acid Mother's Temple, Electric Dream Ecstasy, Earthless Black Heaven, and Space Debris, Spacedelic Odyssey. Some really wild stuff there from Ibesa. If I could just mention, um, 
Rob Brennan put an album by Lucius. I need to check that out because Lucius was featured on the uh, big Grateful Dead, um, the Day of the Dead compilation, all the Dead covers put together by the members of the National. They did a cover of Uncle John's Band that is mind-blowing. and is one of my probably the top 10 favorite songs in that compilation that kind of got me interested in Lucius, so I, I have to go certainly check that out. So just going back to uh, some of our listeners, we have Byron Whitley. His top three are uh, Steve Malcolmus and the Jicks, Sparkle Hard, Courtney Barnett, Tell Me How You Really Feel, and John Prine, The Tree of Forgiveness. Matt Dwyer, our, our buddy from HF Pod. He's got Casey Musgraves, Golden Hour, Krongbin, Contado El Mundo, and I guess we'll allow this, The War on Drugs, A Deeper Understanding. Technically, it came out in 27, but he's only getting it in 2018. Perfectly understandable. It's big record. Everybody drink. Mm. Everybody drink. <laughs> I'm drinking water at this point. It's midnight on the East Coast. So, rounding things out here, we got <clears throat> Sam Taylor gave us his two favorite records of the, of the year so far, Beach House 7 and Casey Musgrave's Golden Hour. And then Twitter follower, we apologize. We don't have your name. We got your handle at scott902 he sent us four records he broke all the rules but we're gonna we're gonna do it anyway because we're happy sent us some stuff we got uh janelle monet dirty computer king tough the other leon bridges good thing and one of my favorite records from earlier in the year a record that i haven't revisited i'm gonna do this because uh just kind of reminded me of it but lucy dacus the historian and finally Last record that we'll feed the last listener here, one of our very good friends, really big fan, excellent guest. You'll remember her from episode 31, The Great Curve. We got Kathleen Hinkle, who submitted Brandy Carlisle, by the way, I forgive you, David Byrne, American Utopia, and number one for her at this point in the year, Janelle Monet, Dirty Computer. Just put in a quick plug for that Lucy Dacus record. The first song on that album, called Night Shift, is uh, probably my top three favorite songs of the year. Don't like the rest of the album quite as much, but that song slays me. So anyway, we're at the point. We're going to get to our top two. So if I could jump in here, my second favorite album of the year at this point, Steve Malcolmus and the Jicks, Sparkle Hard. I'm going to play a song called Bike Lane. Fucking Malcolmus, man. Uh, we just take this guy for granted. I mean, America doesn't deserve Steve Malcolmus at this point. Since <laughs> Pavement disbanded, he's put out seven solo albums. And I think my least favorite is probably uh, Face the Truth from, I think, 2005. And even that album is really good. He's just so goddamn consistent. We just, at this point, we imagine Steve Malcolmus will put out a record every four or five years he does one tour, crosses the country, he plays the same venues, and he's just always kind of there as part of the landscape. But every one of his albums is so good, and his latest, Sparkle Hard, I even think it's my favorite since his second album, Pig Lib, which came out way back in 2003. I mean, now he's experimenting with kraut rock. Uh, there's one song that uses some auto-tune. Every song is catchy and inventive, and it flows extremely well. And while I very much liked 
Uh, the last record you put out, Wig Out at Jag Bags and Meteor Traffic before that. I think I've listened to this one already more than his last two albums just because he's in a serious groove. Um, whenever he does the press tour, he gives the best interviews. He seems like an incredibly fun guy to hang out with. He loves fantasy baseball, takes professional basketball very seriously. He's just kind of like the hip dad who, and or uncle who we all wish that we could hang out with. And this is just a great capital I indie rock album. And that's all anybody really wants and needs at this point in life. So um, Stephen Malcolmus is the kind of guy where at this point you probably either like him or you don't. And if you're on board, you're very much on board. You should see the dudes at his shows. It's just seas of beers and cargo shorts. It's uh, almost kind of like a fish show in that sense. But this album's great. I had no reason to think it wouldn't be great. So if you like Steve Malcolmus, this won't do anything to change your mind. And if for some reason you happen to be unfamiliar with him, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. Get this album. Get his other albums. Steve Malcolmus is an American treasure. Dave, I am in the same, same lane with you about Stephen Malcolmus's Sparkle Hard. That is a fantastic record, and I am certainly not worthy. Awesome, awesome stuff. And um, yeah, what a great uncle he probably is. So the next record I'm going to talk about is very much in the spirit of what Malcolmus created, what Pavement created. <clears throat> this is an album, sixth album by a band from Texas. Now they reside in New York City in Parquet Courts. The album is called Wide Awake. And the song that I'm going to play is called Freebird 2. So Parquet Courts have been making records, releasing records for the last eight years or so. I heard about them, kept hearing about them from friends of mine who were like, you got to get into these guys. They put on a record in 2011 that you know, a bunch of my friends fell in love with. I don't know. I was either just listening to a lot of other stuff or didn't really totally click for me until the 2016 record human performance, which was like one of my favorite records of that year. I think I had it in my top 10. Um, this band to me 
Sounds like a updated version of what the kinks would have sounded like if they emerged in the late 70s when punk was all the rage rather than in the 60s in the British rock scene. Um, I just love them. They're snarky. They're really catchy riffs. They're really demented riffs that counter their really catchy riffs. They sound like they're punk. They sound like they're 60s rock, like garage rock. Um, they can get really psychedelic. Their lyrics are really uh, prescient, and they talk about a lot of current events. They're very politically minded, um, and they're fucking hilarious as well. I mean, they have a song on human performance called Dust, and the chorus is, Dust is everywhere. Sweep. I just, I love these guys. They just tap into a nerve for me now that I just absolutely can't get enough of. And when Wide Awake came out about two and a half weeks ago, it just hit me immediately. Um, Wasn't there like a song of their first record called Stone and Starving? And he's like, I was wandering yeah, around originally yeah. in Queens. I was so <laughs> stone and starving. This this record, I would say it's it's in the spirit of... Father John Misty's Pure Comedy and Jeff Rosenzock's Post in the sense that it's this is like the kind of political album that we need right now. Um, it's really punchy. It's thoughtful. It's hysterical. It's mean. It's really spot on just with what's happening right now. Um, personally, Freebird 2 into Tenderness is the best side of any album I've heard all year. I like Once Freebird 2 kicks in and it goes towards the, till the end of the album at Tenderness, there's no chance I'm flipping to the next song, and there's no chance I'm turning the record off. I'm listening to it no matter what I'm doing. Um, of note, this kind of pertains to one of our most recent uh, episodes, Danger Mouse recorded this album, which is really strange because Parquet Courts are kind of a garage rock band at heart. Um, I wouldn't actually, I wouldn't compare this to... Beck's Modern Guilt really at all, but it is probably like the closest thing in spirit to that record for Danger Mouse. Um, it's a straightforward rock record, but Danger Mouse, like his, his fingerprint is, is on this album, but it's not like an overtly Danger Mouse record, um, which I, I, I like that aspect of it. It's got enough kind of sonic landscape and stuff hanging out over the, the instrumentation and kind of the, 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 the foundational song, but it's not in your face. But anyway, I urge any of our listeners who have listened to the, to be on the pond here for the last couple of years to go ahead and get parquet courts wide awake, blast this record Freebird two, absolutely perfect song to request. Totally fine to request it for these guys. And, um, yeah, awesome, awesome stuff here.
Brian. Thank you for that discussion of Parquet Courts. Good band. That's a good record. I need to listen to it some more. So, my number one album of 2018 so far, and would not be surprised if it was my favorite album of 2018 come December, is one which I talked about in the last episode of Beyond the Pond. The band is called Ice Age. The album is called Beyondless. And the song we're going to play is Catch It, because I think we already included uh, the song Painkiller on the Beyond the Pond mix based upon the last week. So Ice Age, this is their fourth album. They are strikingly handsome, feral Danish youth. The first two songs on this record, Hooray and To Painkiller, is easily my favorite one-two punch in 2018 rock music. I will keep it brief because I kind of already spoke about these guys at length in the last episode, but um, this is the record for me where the things finally fall into place. Things click. In addition to being just an exciting rock band, their songwriting has improved by leaps and bounds. Now they have some very exciting rock songs. This is Euro goth rock of the highest order. Think more theatrical. Think uh, like Nick Cave. Think mid to late 90s PJ Harvey, kind of like uh, the To Bring You My Love slash Is This Desire era. Think of stuff that would be played during the dour World War I gangster TV show Peaky Blinders. This is just um, very inventive rock and roll music with lots of uh, instrumentation such as brass and woodwinds and a string section in addition to bass guitar and drums and vocals. And the singer, Elias Ronenfeld, what he kind of lacks in like a really good singing voice, he makes up for in kind of this punch-drunk drawl throughout the record. That's um, He's a very good lyricist, and he's good on theatrics if he has a somewhat unconventional singing voice. But for me, that rocks harder than anything I listened to in 2018. The first two songs are probably my two favorite songs of 2018. And... Um, yeah, in addition to all the fish and all the podcasts and all the other music I've been listening to, I think I've probably spun this album uh, the most of anything this year so far. So it's not surprising that it's my favorite. So let's listen to Catch It by Ice Age off of the album Beyondless. <laughs> Thank you, Dave, for 
breaking down Ice Age again for for us here. Really great record. Been a grower for me so far in 2018. It's my number one record of the year. <clears throat> it's kind of an interesting selection for me in the fact that I've enjoyed this band greatly over the decade. They produced one of my top 10 favorite albums of the decade, I believe, to this point. But I've never really considered uh, any of their albums to be my number one of the year. And it'll be interesting to see what it sticks around. But um, I'm really enamored with it right now. Sonically, it's kind of the most interesting album that I've been I've listened to over the last uh, um, couple of months. It's Beach House is Seven. The song I'm going to play is the second track on the album, Pay No Mind. Um, so while I loved Teen Dream, that was one of my favorite albums of 2010 and one that has just grown for me over the last eight years. Bloom always felt like a refinement that I didn't really need, even though it's absolutely gorgeous. And I never really connected with Depression Cherry. There's some really great songs on it, but I don't think it's sequenced very well. And it just didn't feel like very much of a step forward. I never really understood. Um, There there were great reviews for the record, and I think it's a great record overall. Um, You know, I would say perhaps my sentiment um, kind of falls in line with – there's a record you talked about last year in this episode, Dave. Um, who, who made the album Whiteout Conditions? Uh, New Pornographers? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you had mentioned in there that you know they just had gotten to the point where they were making so many just solid records that people undervalued them. And I wonder if that was the case for me with Beach House. But I don't know. Bloom and Depression Jerry never totally clicked for me. Um, and I kind of always had felt that I was going to get to a point with this band that um, – I don't know, they'd be like nice background music and they had this one record that I really liked. This album, this is like the album that they finally have made an extreme advancement with their sound. It's as extreme of the advancement that they made from 2007's Devotion into Teen Dream. It sounds like nothing Beach House has ever made before. It's layered in smog. Sometimes it sounds like My Bloody Valentine's Loveless. Victoria Legrand's voice just emerges with such little dynamics and Alex Scali's guitar lines come through in such tiny little increments but add so much to the overall sonic vibe of the record. I mean, this album, when I put this on in headphones, I'm just like transfixed to another dimension. Um, I love what the band has done here from a sonic standpoint. The lyrics for for the record, there's some really great lyrics throughout here, which... Um, you know, people who listen to Beach House don't typically listen to them for the lyrics. They're just kind of like a mood piece. But I really like the lyrics, especially on the song Pay No Mind. Um, I don't know. It's just it's a fascinating album for a band that I thought had really perfected a sound and really wasn't going to do much more beyond that. They hadn't really shown too much of an inclination to like really experiment. Um, this album to me opens a door to sounds that they can tap into in two, three albums down the road while still refining their sound in a really, you know, uh, intentional way. So we're going to listen to the song Pay No Mind off of my favorite album of 2018 thus far, Beach House's Seven.
Okay, folks. Thanks for uh, playing the Beach House song, Brian. I agree. That's an excellent album. One that I did not expect to be enjoying as much as I have been in 2018. So just to recap, in terms of honorable mentions, I had uh, Shame, Songs of Praise, Krongbin, Contoto El Mundo, Michael Rout, It's a New Day Tonight, and uh, Brian for honorable mentions. He had Riley Walker, Deathman Glance, Joshua Headley, Mr. Jukebox, and Amen Dunes Freedom. And I'll just start by saying my top five, going from number five, was uh, Screaming Females All at Once. I had Erica Wennerstrom, Sweet Unknown, Preoccupations, New Material. Number two was Steve Malcolmus and the Jick, Sparkle Hard. Number one was Ice Age, Beyondless. And my top five, I'll just go ahead and give you guys a start here with it. It was number five, Casey Musgraves, Golden Hour. Number four, Jeff Rosenstock's Post. Number three, Father John Misty, God's Favorite Customer. Number two, Parquet Courts, Wide Awake. And number one, Beach House 7. And just a reminder of where you guys can find us online. We are on Twitter at underscore beyond the pond. We have a Medium page, and we post all of our episodes onto medium.com backslash beyond the pond. We'll be uploading our master Spotify Beyond the Pond podcast songs playlist. We are probably going to pass 250 songs here with this episode. It's just growing and growing and growing, and we're going to keep growing it until you tell us to stop, okay? We love the fact that you can just press shuffle on that and go from the war on drugs to Death Haven to Lord to Casey Musgraves to you 2 and on, Miles Davis, and on, and on, and on, and on, and on, and on, until you're just totally beyond the pond. Miles Davis, um, there's so a lot yeah. of fist jams on there as well. Yeah. <laughs> so beyond the pond, deep in the pond. The pond is deep. It's like an ice fishing pond outside Minneapolis, Minnesota, when it's 20 degrees below zero outside, and you're on the pond, your outhouse, and your mint schnapps, and hoping that you find something down there. You will find something down there. I swear to God. It's deep and it's deep and wide, man. It's a wide pond. There's a there's a wide swath of stuff out there. My brother-in-law is from outside Minneapolis. That's why I made that distinction right there. Anyway, <laughs> publishing structure. We generally publish every other Tuesday. I know we've been uh, kind of bunching up in the month of May. You're getting a bit spoiled. But really, for our own sanity, these generally come out once every two weeks. And uh, always, as we like to say at the end of this, if you like the bands that you hear here on this episode, I would make every episode to go, um, would make every effort to try to go see them live, buy some of their vinyl, buy some merchandise, find a way to support them. Because although streaming stuff on Spotify is great, um, a great way to discover new music, Really, it's harder to ever to make a go of it in the music industry these days. And these bands see all the help they can get. And they sell tickets and merchandise and vinyl. And that's really probably the best way to support these artists. And on that note, I think we've gotten this far. It's a bit late here on the East Coast. I know it's not quite as late in Denver. Brian can stay up a little later than I can. So if you made it this far with us, we thank you very much. 
I'm assuming that the next episode when we come back in two weeks is going to have more of a fishy vibe to it. We definitely wanted to get this one out there to give you as much of the music as possible. So come back in two weeks. We will join hands. We will try very, very hard not to collude with Russia. We will not try to manipulate the stock market. And most importantly, we will go beyond the pond. Pink like the inside of your baby. Pink behind all of the doors. Crazy pink like the tongue that goes down. Maybe pink like the paradise found. Pink when you're blushing inside. Baby pink is the truth you can't hide. of your brain crazy pink as we all go insane so here we are in the car leaving traces of us down the boulevard i want to fall through the stars getting lost in the dark is my favorite part let's count the ways we could make this last forever sunny money keep it funky top it let it down so sorry.